Welcome back, Upper Tier community, to the Upper Tier podcast, brought to you by the Dynamo Podcast Network. And tonight we bring to you our Monday mashup show. And tonight's show is sponsored by Hogan Elite Trophy Horror. How you doing, Mark? How's it going, lads? And also by Ellis Toys and Collectibles. Dan, how are you doing? Hi, how are you? Head over to both those Facebook pages now if you want to avail of a discount. Um, Ella's offering our viewers and subscribers 10% off. And Mark will hook you up with some fine silverware there for any events that you may have going on in the future. Graham, how we doing? All good. All good. Anto? What's the story, Niall? All good? Not too bad, yeah. Not too bad. Con, how we doing? What's the crack, boys? All good. <laughs> Excellent, Craig. All good, no, yes, sir. Brilliant, excellent, Dean. Already <laughs> locked, locked and loaded. So on tonight's show, we're going to be having a quick run back, uh, having a look at uh, the weekend's action. We're going to be looking towards the Champions League and the Europa League. And we're also going to be looking at some of the hot topics that we posted in our trailer yesterday. Um, so we're going to be covering the Champions League proposed changes. We're going to be having a look at um, social media in terms of the racial abuse that's going on with players and stuff like that at the moment. We're going to be looking at the Premier League's, uh, or the FA, I should say, is um, no room to racism action plan that they released. And then we're going to be discussing Liverpool, and we're going to be talking, is it time to man up and stop talking about injuries and COVID and no fans and all that time of stuff. And we're also going to be talking about Brentford's decision. Um, they had discussions together to no longer um, take the knee in support of Black Lives Matter. Um, and we'll get into all that later on in the show. <laughs> So, where do we begin? Anto, West Brom 1, Man United 1. Talk to me. It's very bleak, isn't it? Although the league position doesn't say so, it is bleak. <laughs> Maybe not as bleak as, uh, God, losing 3-1, you know. Um, I, it's, it's a draw. Maybe could have been more. It probably could have been more, but... Uh, I, I think that fell at the end yet. He, I, I don't know. I, I, I think he likes the face of... Uh, of Maguire and Lindelof, doesn't he? His face, his hand was all over them, wasn't it? But um, I don't know, man. I've, it's it's annoying. It's really annoying. Um, again, it's sloppy. It's sloppy. Uh, apart from the goal from Hernandez, <clears throat> uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. There was, not, again, nothing really there to to be excited about. Pogba you know? was Pogba was a huge loss, wasn't he? What did you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Mark, what did you think Pogba missing? Yeah, we're, we're sort of turning into a one-man team, aren't we? You know, we're relying on Fernandez again. Yesterday yeah. was the type of game that Fernandez or Martial should have took with a scruff of the neck and just <clears> went <throat> for it, like, you know what I mean? Um, two of them have been missing all season. Uh, again, we're, we're talking about the centre-half pairing of, of Maguire and Lindelof, and you could see what West Brom were trying to do yesterday. 20 seconds in, they had a throw. Uh, a man lines up a big, long throw into the box that you'd usually do with, you know, the last few minutes of the game. And they were there to test them. And obviously, the first cross of the game, they score, albeit, yeah, he was over Lindelof, but Lindelof letting them bully him into that situation as well. You know, that's a boy. But they, West Brom could have had three or four goals when you look at it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Maguire was very unlucky at the end by hitting the post with the with his effort as well. You know, the talk the talk going around today was that she might be going in for Sergio Ramos. 
as a Liverpool fan, I'd love that to happen. <laughs> listen, that happens every year. It's, he links himself been, with us just to get yeah. a, a better deal at Madrid. Like, I wouldn't listen to any of that, you know. There's a yeah. talk of a young man in Seville as a Kunde or something like that. He's a young lad. He, he looks pacey. He looks explosive. He looks aggressive. I think they're looking for 60 million. But I think in the market nowadays, I think that's good for a, a young centre-half, you know. Yeah, Madrid are in trouble at the moment. Apparently, if they want to keep Ramos and Varane, who's out of contract in a year, and they're also talking about bringing in Alaba as well, they have to find 45 million in wages. Um, so the talk is either Varane or Ramos is going out the door. My guess is it would be Ramos, not Varane. Um, but we'll see what happens there. It'll be interesting. If you know to sign him, that'll be another trophy out of the way that they can't win that fair play trophy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I don't know what I don't know what Anthony thinks, but I I just wanted to mention him. I, I know he's mentioned during the week, but Scott McTominay has come on leaps and bounds over the last ten eleven months. Like he's been unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I have to take my hat off, and we're talking about Fernandez all the time. But he's yeah. one that doesn't mention. He has a thankless task of sitting in front of the back four, breaking down play, starting attacks. I just think I have to take my hat off to him. He's been excellent over the last year. Uh, yeah, him. You know? He he is becoming one of the few very reliant players the team that we have at the moment yeah you know 100% it, it yeah. kind of reminds you of what Carrick and Fletcher used to do back yeah. in the day and all that the way yeah. so fair play definitely and, and he didn't have a great start to the season either no, no he didn't didn't, no, didn't so get many starts yeah he's grown into that role certainly uh, Graham yes talk to me Man City 3 Tottenham Mexican Nil. zip Nilo. what Nilo. happened yes same old story Uh it's basically the same stuff as the FA Cup game against Everton. It's just sloppy. It's 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 like it's like Man City. I know Man City are like they're a great attacking side and all that, but like they were looking at the Everton game and going, Spurs, Spurs defenders, they're not they're not great. You might you might get a sloppy goal here and there. So that's what they did. Didn't you didn't really see that much of a uh, see attack? They knew that they were got to get a chance that we were going to make a mistake and they got three goals out mistakes it was just shocking stuff it was shocking the one time you want Larice to show up huh yes <laughs> what more yeah, well, say? it's 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 the fans the fans blaming Mourinho for his like I said every week his style changed his lineup. but it's just the players it's, it's I said it every week it's the players not stepping up it's like he, he was bringing in uh, Tanganyi for the Man City game. Like, it was dreadful stuff. It's, um, since since um, Batongan left us when he went out of contract, we hadn't had that leader in defence like other, like other teams do. Like, Liverpool would have, have Van Dijk. You know, you might have whatever, Maguire, they oh, say. But, um, but we never bought, we never have uh the true leader anymore like we're relying on Kane and Son every week and like you're looking for the goal there with them and they're, they're not on the sides the others will go who's going to score today who's going to score today nobody I'm just checking I'm, there now you did mention Harry Maguire and leader in the same sentence yeah I just yeah. Want, well, I just want to confirm <laughs> that now yeah well yes well you never know it's, teams have say leaders every week you know a different leader every week you might have an attacking you know oh. can I just yeah. can I just step in there regarding Harry Maguire and the word leader there's my 22 week old young flip he's more of a leader <laughs> than Harry Maguire 
he'll be he'll be leading your wallet around for the next 20 years. Don't worry about that. Con, let's switch. Everton and uh, Fulham. Fulham going to Goodison and winning 2 nil. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's I was talking about it last week. It's all just about fucking energy for me, man. And I think I think at like I I, I said last week that we'd beat Spurs, we beat Spurs. It went to extra time 5-4. Absolutely unbelievable game, tit for tat, tit for tat. Great goals, great action. But like two hundred minutes is going to, you know, or a hundred. What, what is what is it? Ninety minutes and, and another turn. One hundred and twenty minutes. One hundred and twenty yeah. minutes. Yeah. And then with a with a with a squad that is already depleted with injuries, and then to come along and play uh, a Fulham team who have been playing very well in the last few weeks and are just fighting for their life to get out of. Um, out of the relegation zone and have fresh legs. Um, that and then the fact that fucking Ancelotti's gaff had been fucking broken into a couple of a couple of um, a, a day or so before it. Um, uh, on top of all that, all that shit adds to the kind of the negative energy that would that, that kind of. I suppose showed itself on the pitch. We were lethargic. Um, I mean, our, our top scorer Calvin Lewin is, was injured. Alan still or uh, yeah, Alan still out injured. And uh, he had to play a lot of the same players that he played against Spurs in that in that match. And um, like I think a great see, like and Fulham were unreal as well. They were actually unreal. I don't know if anyone watched it. They were like fucking. Yeah. They were they were up for that game. They were full of energy. They got in our face. Um, they closed us down. They created chances. The guy who got the both goals. Like he looks like a player. He looks like a serious player. If he keeps if he keeps playing the way he was he, he was running in, be, in between the lines, creating chances as well as well as taking chances. Um, no, we we were we weren't at the races. Hold the hands up, hundred percent. Well, your man for Fulham, uh, he's well used to English football. I remember him on the Sunderland documentary. Yeah, he was banging in goals every week. Yeah, Indeed. he was doing really yeah. well. Like, you know, Gosh, magic. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's 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 a hard one to call because you would expect like. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the players there at Evan and that you would expect to show up just didn't show up on the night. Yeah, and you can yeah. have one of those off nights, but it's just yeah. it's always a killer. It was the same with us with Leicester, and we'll get onto that now in a minute. Like that door opens up for you, and then you just you slam it shut yourself. Like you know, you just don't go in there and do it. You know, do the well. Bit. We we three games in hand. We're three points behind Liverpool. We three games in hand, and our next two games are fucking Man City at home. Um, who to be honest are unbeatable at the moment you know they're absolutely unbeatable at the moment no we'll st- I, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if Everton then come along and get an unlikely result against Man City because when we when we play the top teams like we did with United a couple of weeks uh, a couple of weeks or a couple of weeks ago and anytime we've even played Liverpool in the last couple of years we're a pain in the hole like we're a pain in the hole of all those sides and we can get results against them we lift our game but kind of like the way Liverpool are at the moment now as well just you know, in games that you should, you sh- the level has to be high all the time. The level drops ten, five, ten percent, yeah. and at that, when you're playing at those very, very high standards, even a drop of one or two percent is massive. You know? Yeah, it's amazing. The league's been going that way all season, really. When you think about it, everyone's been sort of like taking points off each other. And games that you would expect to win, you're dropping points in, and games that you wouldn't expect to win, you're going to get a draw or a result in it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's crazy, crazy times in the league at the moment. Dean, Leicester three, Liverpool one. Ten minutes of madness again. Oh, <clears throat> uh, where? It, I don't even know where to start. Like, 
we're just kind of like if you don't laugh you'll cry at this stage um, I, like, I don't know what, like, what, what can we do it's like anything that can go wrong this season is going wrong um, two weeks on the trot there I don't know whether was there a shout given by Alison like I'm coming out to clear house did Alison need to come out that far uh, Tiago I think as we're doing so bad he's being magnified now as he's not he's not seen into the or fitting into the system as well as we hoped he would um, talk about lack of just talk of lack, lack of commitment players in house fighting stories going around that Alisson and Rob are at each other's throats yeah um, surely it can only get better I, I don't know I honestly I, I said last week after the City game like we're trying to pick up positives and all but yeah, just like every weekend, confidence is just—it's gone into the fucking—it's gone into a surplus now. It, we can't see tomorrow night is is a massive test. Leipzig will be coming out all guns blazing tomorrow night. They play great attacking football. Air defense is shot to pieces. I know I said last week that maybe just fuck the two boys in a centre back, but we don't know. Is tomorrow night the night where you put Henderson back into the middle? As I said last week, it seems to be a recording thing where it's we're missing Fabinho and Henderson in the middle of the park. But like it were genuinely just everything is just walking through the middle. There, I think it was the Har- was it second goal or third goal? No, the, the Harvey Barnes goal against Leicester. Salah loses the ball in the middle of the park and doesn't even attempt to run back. Your man just saunters on. Two seconds later, there's a goal, and you're saying to yourself, "Where's that fucking hunger?" I know when things are going wrong, confidence is rock bottom. But look, where's that fucking hunger and passion gone from last year? Where if you lost the ball, God love you because you're three or four fellas willing to take a life just to get the ball back. It's just, as I said, I know confidence is, is rock bottom, but something drastic needs to change. Um, fingers crossed. It's tomorrow night. I'm gonna be listening to United fans and Everton fans. Whatever, sure not. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, yeah. talk to me about uh, Liverpool. I thought Kabak had a, a really good game for about 70 minutes. I thought he was doing really well. And um, Then the Echo, the Echo, go and give him a five star, a five rating. And I was thinking, Alisson came out and basically Jackie Chan this last year <laughs> of nowhere. And like, he's getting a five rating. And the chap basically did nothing wrong. He was about to, he was about to deal with the, the ball. And the next thing, this big Brazilian lad out of nowhere, just, I thought I was watching the Six Nations. What was you thinking? <laughs> I mean, there's talk there that he didn't shout at Alison not to come. And it's, it's, it's a lot of bollocks. Alison was made. And I was on here defending Alison last week going, yeah, like you can't, fucking shocking the past three weeks. Absolutely fucking shocking. And then you, you also have the argument there that you turn Kabak into the fucking mist of everything that's going on. And they're giving them a like, you fuck, you fuck, they're fucking into a team with no defence. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, it, it's hard to sort of dissect it down really because I can't imagine the new guy into the team turning around and giving Alison the show. <laughs> somehow you know Alison <laughs> sprinting off his line like the ultimate warrior about to close line this lad into hell you know what I mean? <laughs> Craig what was your thinking on the game yeah similar <clears throat> to what um, the first Dean said you know where is the time or even you said in your intro when is the time that the people we do have available are going to step up and dig us out of the fucking situation they're on good money they're playing for Liverpool at the end of the day 
it's all well and good when we have our first 11 and the lads can take a free wage on the fucking bench but now they don't and we need them more than ever I kind of agree with Dean tomorrow as well tomorrow is going to be very very difficult even for your first 11 you know they have very good players going forward like Sabitzer Paulson has a lot of pace they're going to come and they're going to try and hurt us a lot and going back to the Leicester game obviously I talked to you and I hadn't seen much of it but we were alright from what I gathered you know we were fine for me no, his assist was amazing you wouldn't think that was a fellow of arm doing that and laying up for Salah like that and then you have 10 minutes of absolute craziness I couldn't believe it when I actually seen it by just 10 minutes of absolute madness like gone down the drain I seen Henderson and Thiago actually having a bit of a spat as well I don't know what that was down to I don't know if Henderson was kind of maybe getting them into like you know press but again I agree with Dean as well Salah loses the ball in the midfield it's not like we're 4-1 up and it's like ah fuck it it's alright like, nobody was chasing that one ball through one ball to Harvey Barnes and he was in did the Allison situation I don't know myself I know he wasn't in view of my TV when I seen it and all of a sudden he fucking just comes out and maybe he sensed a bit of untrust in Quebec I don't know like I kind of agree with you Noel. I think Quebec would have dealt with that and if he was having a good game up to that then there'd be no reason to come out you know you'd be happy enough that he's having a good game in front of you that he'll deal with it but I do think other people need to step up we don't have amazing great depth but we do have players who are internationals we do have players who have previous experience in Europe mm. And they're just not fucking cutting it, I don't think, anyway. That Does Leicester it? team are good anyway. Like, I don't think anyone's given that credit yeah, to that Leicester side. Regardless you of know? your 11, you know, it was always going to be difficult. The three players who actually scored are, you know, three of the best in the league, to be fair. Including Harvey Barnes, he's outstanding. Harvey Barnes is class, yeah. yeah. I think... I just I, Sorry. Yeah, I ahead. just think Liverpool are a, a kind of it's kind of showing Liverpool up to being a kind of like they really are a one man team when you think about it you know because like since Dyke, Van Dyke is gone um, all confidence has gone out of that Liverpool squad it has all like you know he, when he'll come back they'll, they'll be play, they'll be like a Rolls Royce again but like all confidence has gone out and they've they're all saying that oh we've got Henderson we've got Salah we've got we've got all these world class players but like Howard like you're not world class unless you can and can you and can you actually can control stuff? The minute Leicester scored that goal uh, on Saturday, the whole team's head fell off uh, onto the ground, and they were like a bunch of like I was I was loving it watching it to be honest, man. I was actually loving it. That whole team capitulated. That Spanish fella. Um, Tiago is it? Tiago. Yeah. He's he's undoubtedly a world class footballer. But that mid the way Liverpool were successful last year and the year beforehand, were getting was getting that ball through that middle third as quickly as possible. And then once once it was lost and uh, it was getting it back and getting it and getting it forward to that front three again, he takes he, even if it's only a second or two seconds, he takes that little bit extra out of it. He's a world class player, but I don't think he suits Liverpool. I really don't. Um, and I also ju- just uh, 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 on the point, I just think Leicester are a very underrated side as well. I actually think they're the second best team at the moment. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they finish second. I think really just on that, um, lads, just regarding Cornelius there, what you're saying about he was so happy about Liverpool being shit basically and Van Dijk being out of the team and everyone else just falls to no on, like, no, on a serious matter right? yeah Leicester we only talked about this the other night how good Leicester are well, look what they did to see Liverpool were so comfortable in that game versus Leicester we didn't look under threat whatsoever like Two games in a row. Same with City. We were comfortable in that game too. We were having opportunities. We've shot ourselves in the foot there. 
But I, I agree with ninety five percent of the stuff Cornelia said there. When you talk about like, oh, they're a one man team. Try putting James Rodriguez and Alan as your centre halves for the rest of the season, mm. and come back to me, and we'll have a serious discussion, all right? Well, yeah, I think but it, but it, you undoubtedly are a one a one man team, though, because what, I, what my point actually is that if you weren't, you'd have leaders on in your current squad who would be able to like Jordan Henderson we have plenty yeah. of leaders in the game <laughs> but like why, why aren't they leading then they can't you can't do it like how are, they not, how are they not leading if they're playing our position playing playing our position is great short term long term in the toughest league in the world against some of the best strikers and attacking midfielders in the world long term it's I think if we it had Henderson... Doesn't work, it doesn't work anywhere long term. You take out your two best midfielders, put them in the centre half and then expect Thiago to come into a system. You expect Milner who, he's 35 now, he's he's so, like he's just, he's old as fuck now. Curtis Jones, I don't think he knows how to defend him. <laughs> you, you take your two best midfielders and put them in the centre half and you've just free run through the middle of the park. That's going to happen at any every club. Yeah, yeah but on that lead, thing. Leading comes in many ways though. Like, I mean, I'm not talking, like there's, yeah, you can lead by action, but you can lead by organisation. You can slow down a game. You can fucking roll down onto the ground, hold your knee, bring stop the game from going. It was like seven minutes. The game was turned on its head in seven minutes. Van Dyke, if he was there, wouldn't. Like, I actually, like, I'm not being critical of Liverpool. Liverpool like, obviously, I, I, I don't want Liverpool to win any games ever but they're a great side they're a great side they're a great they're a fantastic football side and I, and I hold my hands up they actually are like I'm not saying they're a shit side but I'm saying they at the moment and um, they have no leader that can calm things down that can go hold the fucking fort here like Van Dyke. and that to me kind of says do you know what with all the players all the hype that likes a Henderson gets the likes of fucking Salah gets Firmino all this it's not worth a knob of goat shit uh, if you can't defend your fucking one little lead uh, with a free kick and or else even okay that goal goes in just calm things down get you know c- control it don't let the, the heads fall off in the next seven minutes but I, I do think Liverpool are a solid side but you know at the moment they're like Lads, if, you, if you're looking for a leader you're more than welcome to have Harry Maguire no problem at all <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I would take Ramos first <laughs> yeah. just on that with Dana Craig there as well is it is only in the last four or five games that we've seen to fell apart though before okay. that we were playing fairly okay we were doing well the defence was good Henderson Fino was working you had John Matt up there as well so like it is only the past four or five games where obviously something's happened in the team and you're seeing that more and more obvious in the past three games there's been trouble really since the Brighton game to be honest there's a lot of games there now that you know whatever 11 you put out there you know you should be able to do and like I give all these teams credit but when you're talking about Liverpool if you're at that level as Khan says if you have leaders on the pitch you should be doing the job against Brighton you shouldn't be letting Big Sam get the better of you with West Brom you shouldn't be letting Burnley take your record away in Anfield you shouldn't be like if there is leaders out there you shouldn't be letting those things happen you should be disgusted that those things happen and want to put it right and that's really the essence of it is there's a massive lack of confidence in the team in every single 
single position and it's leading the people doing crazy stuff. Like, think about it. The only reason Alisson came out to volley that ball away and take control was to put himself back out there to try and make up for the previous week's mistakes. That's the only reason he went out to do that, to put himself out there and say, look, I'm back. It wasn't an issue. And then he made a holy blunder of it again and caused, like, like that mistake really cost us the game when you think about it. You know what I mean? It wasn't, forget about the free kick. Anyone can give away a free kick and it goes through a load of bodies into the back of the net. But I think as Khan said, you have to sit back, reorganise. Hendo should be tearing those lads asunder. Now, I know he got stuck into Thiago, but you really got to be saying to all those guys, lads, get this together. Let's go. This is us. We're Liverpool. We're the defending champions. We want to defend that crown. Instead, they're just rolling over. Look at at the goals. Like, even look at the goals that they're getting. No, but there's an argument to be made there on it, though, as well. We've performed at such a high level the past three years. Eventually, you're going to burn out. Eventually, these lads are going to burn out. And you're, you're seeing that with City last season, where City completely burned out. And obviously, you wouldn't want it to happen this season. But it has happened in a massive way. And you're seeing that now. You've seen that at the Arsenal Villa game. We lost 7 2. And you're kind of like, well, okay. Yeah, Maybe but you got you got you got to remember in that game as well. Van Dijk played in that game. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you got to look at that as well. But I mean, but the, no, other, the other thing about it is, there's a number of guys there that are fairly fresh as well. Like you look at Ox Chamberlain, who's fairly fresh, comes on the pitch, absolutely doesn't do a thing. That's not a know. thing That's an absolute know. waste of time and then you have Curtis Jones on the pitch there who's absolutely busting a gut to try and make things happen arguably one of our best midfielders this season without a shadow of a doubt and the guy is getting whipped off at 70 minutes all the time like and it, no yeah, matter yeah, how he's playing and then you're putting on Shakiri as well and you're putting on Shakiri and you're expecting him to do a job. His confidence is shot because he knows the club don't really want him there or whatever it is. You have a Rigi coming on, which is basically like a pilgrimage because that <laughs> lad is just a, that lad is still living off those last minute goals that he's got and stuff like that. But that lad has forgotten where the goal is. I think that lad is training on pitches where the goals are lying on the ground because he really hasn't got a clue where the net is. I'm, I'm talking about players there, just to Craig and Dan real quick. Sorry, no. Yeah. Trent Alexander Arnold. But Trent had it. Trent was having a good game the other day against Leicester. He, he lost the ball well. forty-eight times or something during the game. Don't yeah, but listen, that's incomparable to what I mean. The whole team is doing that across the whole pitch. You yeah. know what I mean? But uh, Trent didn't have that bad a game against Leicester. In fairness to him, you know what I mean. So you got to look that. But anyway, listen, we're gonna move on and have a look at the European football because <laughs> we're gonna bring a bit of positivity back here because obviously. Man City fans didn't come on tonight to cheer themselves on and Arsenal fans didn't come on either to cheer themselves on and we heard West Ham have won so that's depressing enough so we'll talk about the Champions League so we're looking forward this is a real week of a festival of football really for us we're absolutely spoilt and um, between the fixtures in the Premiership kind of alluded to Everton playing Man City I hope you absolutely murdered them um, mm. and then I prefer to win on Saturday <laughs> <laughs> be a stretch to do both wouldn't it <laughs> I'll take it <laughs> yeah. so I mean obviously Liverpool are playing Leipzig um, and it looks like both these fixtures are going to be away so it's not like we have the opportunity to bring them to back to Anfield to one of those great European nights because during COVID at the moment that doesn't exist anymore but I mean the, the toy of this week really is Barcelona versus PSG isn't PSG. it I mean outstanding game like yeah um, you, you would think um and, and we are the kiss of death on this show, remember? So I'm going to say, I think there should be bags of goals. <laughs> this could end up being another nil-nil. Uh, but I hope not. Um, but it should be it should be an excellent game. Um, Porto versus Juventus. You know, again, you would expect Juventus to have too much for Porto, although Porto have been outstanding in Europe this year. Um, but 
you know, Juventus is really the Ronaldo show, you know what I mean? And I think they would have too much for Porto. And especially with Ronaldo going back to Portugal, he'll want to like, you know, he'll want to look the part, you know. Make a statement. Absolutely. Um Sevilla versus Dortmund again is you know it's it's kind of one of those toys, you know, Sevilla normally very strong at home. Dortmund who are going through a major transition. Um, but it'll be interesting yeah, the, to see. Uh, the Gladbach manager is confirmed for the end of the season. It'll be interesting to see yeah. if he takes some of them players across to Dortmund or if they're going to go elsewhere. Some good players yeah, he, in Dortmund. He'll in definitely Dortmund. take a couple of players with him because the likes of Haaland and all are going to be shipped out. So. Zakaria or Plie or Norhouse, a couple of dimension, yeah. or Ram as well. There's some decent players in there. Yeah, but again, it looks like, you know, for tantalising fixtures, really, um, for our midweek football. Um, then we move on to the Europa League. Um, and we talk United. about so, Real Sociedad versus United. Mark. Yes. Sorry, what's the what's the Europa League? <laughs> <laughs> Some competition on tour said no, it's, it, it, it's the it's, it's the UEFA Cup you yeah. had a Mickey Mouse treble winning it one year. I can't remember what year it was. It's when it's when it's when the UEFA Cup and the Cup Winners Cup went off and got married and they had a kid and the kid yeah. became the Europa League. Europa League. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Mark Real Sociedad. A yeah. serious toy. Seriously, it's, it's going to be tough. Uh, when the draw was made, they were actually top of La Liga. Um, obviously, I think they dropped a sixth or something now. But uh, they've David Silva in there, Yanazoy's in there. And what makes them even more dangerous now is in the past month, they've been knocked out of the two Spanish domestic cups, the Cup del Rey and the Spanish Super Cup. So this is the last opportunity that they have to win a trophy this season is the Europa League. So that makes them very dangerous, you know. Very, um, very cagey toy, Anto. What do you think? Probably no Pogba again. Well, maybe not, but um, maybe not. Uh, do you question if you can actually get past Real Sociedad with the talent they have? Oh, he's actually I mean, good. When you're top of La Liga, when you have teams like Barcelona, Real Madrid, although they're not playing great, but when you have them teams in there and you're, and you're top of the league for how many weeks? You know what I mean? Uh, can you? have much faith this is hard to come on Noel, nearly every week and say that I have no faith in the own squad but it's, it's happening you know what I mean yeah. but uh, it's it's going to be a good match it's going to be a good match um, uh, it'll be tough it'll be tough it's certainly one of the tougher toys uh, Graham yeah. Wolfsburg yeah. away yeah definitely yeah um, again I don't know much about the, the Austrian league um, it's the way we've been playing lately, I I presume he's gonna start it's the strongest side he can. But on paper, it's we're playing again on Sunday and we're playing West Ham away, so it's another it's a, a hard match. But um, he might start the strongest side um, and then probably take them off after an hour. Um, I don't know how many subs you're allowed in uh, in Europe these days. Is it still five? I think it's five. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he might take majority of them off and being the likes of Lucas Moore and all them all all on like after an hour and save the others for West Ham on Sunday. It's not gonna be an easy toy. I don't see him being in a position to be able to take players off at all. No. I mean, you know, it's and it's, it's it, a real it's, game where Kane needs to show up. Yeah, well it's 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 basically it's a it's a, an away game for both teams because I think it's in uh, Hungary. It's in yeah. it's in a neutral ground, so Yeah. It's it's going to be uh, 50-50, I think. Yeah, it'll be interesting, all right. Um, yeah. Prague versus Leicester. 
Um, Con, you're speaking up Lesnar there. I presume you'd expect Lesnar to do a job on these guys, would you? I I really like the way they're playing. I really I really like the way they're set up. Um, I I they remind me. They kind of remind me of the way Liverpool were playing about in their pomp about two years ago when they were neck and neck going for for the title with City. Um, like they're. They've got fierce energy. Like even in that Liverpool match at the weekend, Liverpool had were playing absolutely savage until um, Leicester equalised. But Le- Leicester were always dangerous, always dangerous, and they can go, they can score so quickly, so quickly, and it could a variety of players can score for them as well. They're scoring from midfield. They're scoring up for, like Vardy is always a, like a lethal. So I I'm not so sure about the Champions League. Um, you know, I think probably like I think they will get through this tie. Uh, I don't know about the back end. It's exciting to see them there, though. It's like, it really is exciting. And like even when they won the league a couple of years ago, everybody thought they might, you know, kind of, you know, that time when Ranieri, um, just you know, like it was just a very special league. But everybody just expected them to kind of capitulate and kind of fade away. But they're they're hanging around. They're hanging around, and they play exciting, fast, swift counter-attacking uh, football but not only counter-attacking Brendan Rodgers has got he's got a great football brain now he would, he'd be the first to tell you that himself anyway but um, you know they've they, they changed the system they often just tweak it like slightly and no I, I like them I think they'll I think they'll uh, they're, they're exciting to watch as well I think they'll do they'll get through the group they'll get through this uh, this leg um, how far they'll go beyond that I'm not so sure yeah, it's whether it's whether they can keep that energy going right till the end of the season. But certainly, mm. if you're a neutral, like Leicester's a lovely team to watch play football with that that counter attacking speed and Tillemans there and all. Like it's Madison Tillemans, mm. Fardy, you know, yeah, you at the back and all. Like there, and even Casper Schmeichel in, in goals, you know. But they really even are Johnny Evans is unreal there. Like Johnny Evans like, has been incredible. But even <laughs> speaking of Johnny Evans, I mean, you know, it would give their left arm at the moment to have Johnny Evans back with. <laughs> when you think about like he, Chris, he's exactly and, the type of player Mullen. that I was talking about there earlier like he's the type of guy that will calm the, sh- the shit down if if, yeah. if if something happens he's the he's a voice of reason yeah. he'll show he's able to use his experience he's um oh, he's a great footballer sorry now I'm talking too much I shut up there now no, no. <laughs> I take Roy Evans even <laughs> <laughs> so then it's 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 finished up then with Benfica versus Arsenal um I, I would assume Arsenal will go there and do a professional job, but you just never know with Arsenal. But it was good to see Aubameyang back as well. I'm netting a hat-trick there yesterday against Leeds, which is not an easy thing to do. But um, he looked like he was back to a bit of form and that the, the personal stuff he had been dealing with, at least he's obviously put it behind him now and it's good to see him back. Um, so yeah, let's 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 move on to some of the hot topics there that we, we, uh, we want to look at this week. Um the first one is the Champions League proposed changes. I don't know if y'all got to take a look at this, but I read down through it. They're like, you know, 32 participants to 36. They're going to move it to um, 10 games guaranteed instead of six. And um, they're talking about three group slots, which will be given to teams that qualify through the elite system or something like that. And they're talking about the fourth extra slot going to France, because I think France at the moment only is two. Um, a single league table, opponents based on preseason's rankings. Um, there'll be a round of 16 where the top eight in the league qualify, and then the bottom 16 go into a playoff to fill up the round of 16 with the final eight teams. But 
the, the big thing for me that I think is a real worry in football at the moment, and, and UEFA passed it off there the other day by saying, sure, it's only another four games each team have to find, and I'm going, uh, only another four games. Like it's nothing. So they're talking about the group stages going from 180 games instead of 96. And I just, I just felt with the whole thing, I, I failed to see in it where the benefit is to football and that the only benefit is to UEFA milking in more money from broadcast and revenue rights. That's the only thing I could see in it. Um, Mark, what you thinking? Yeah, I'd be the same as you, Mel. It's all about money. It's like the World Cup as well, adding in the extra teams. They're thinking of more revenue from all the different countries around the world that are going to be participating in it, you know. Um, from a football point of view and a manager's point of view, it's a, it's a headache that no one needs at the moment, especially with all the injuries, the amount of games that we're catching up over COVID and stuff like that. It's way too much football for them to be playing. Dan, tell me how you fit in another four games on that schedule. Simple. Uh, cancel the, the league cups in each country um, let's be real or just leave the the league cups to the lower, the lower leagues, leagues. Yeah. take out take out the Premier League so you have like La Liga Serie A the Premier League Scottish Premier League take take them out of the equation leave the league cups to the lower ranking teams I know I know if you win the league cup uh, is the Europa League spot yeah yeah <laughs> Who can give someone in the Championship League one or League Two the opportunity to to like you know what I mean? I think I, I, I think the problem with that decision is um, you lose out on a lot of broadcasting money in terms of like let's suppose if you had in there no disrespect them let's suppose you had Norwich in there instead of say Arsenal or instead of say we'll say United <laughs> you know but like you know if you don't have them in there. And you only have, say, Norwich or Brentford or, you know, no disrespect to them. You're not going to gain the same broadcasting revenue. Like the TV companies are not going to pay for that, you know. So where you where you gain on one hand, you suffer in the other hand. And again, we spoke last week on the episode and we said, like, you know, with these cups, you know, are they really starting to come to, you know, is European football really trying to kill them off when you think about it? You know what I mean? Oh, so it definitely is. It definitely is. You're for and FIFA couldn't give a fuck about anything like that you know what I mean it, at the end of the day it's all about the Benjamins look at the Qatar World Cup that's going to be an absolute shambles and teams are really really leagues are going to suffer due to that World Cup taking place when it's taking place players are going to suffer and I think a lot of people like forget that this at the end of this season after such a long season with no pre-season you've got the Euros you've got the Olympics like so if everyone's thinking Let's just get this season out of the way. Next year, everyone's back to normal. Next year is going to be worse because you've got the 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 Euros. Players coming back, I guarantee you a lot of players are going to pick up little injuries at the Euros there. And then you've got the likes of just talk of Salah going to the Olympics. Like players are going to get very little of a holiday period and a preseason going into next season. So next season's going to be a disaster. And this all, this is all building up towards that World Cup in Qatar. Like in the next three or four years, you're going to see players with serious injuries, very, very bad injuries, careers being cut short, all because of it's all about the money. <laughs> the, Craig, the one thing I was excited about it was if they go with this league table format, we're going to see a lot of big teams playing against each other earlier in the competition, um, which could be exciting for us, the viewers and fans. What was your yeah, thinking on that? I think it's 
it's a positive and a negative, isn't it? Sometimes you kind of look forward to, you know, when the groups are settled, what way it's going to pan out. And you like looking at the draw and then talking about the draw, like oh, Chelsea got Atletico and stuff like that. I think when you take that away and you put it into a league table, does it take away that kind of feeling, that looking, you know, the excitement and stuff as in, you kind of look at the table and go, are they playing them in the week? Like really in the group stage kind of format. I think I would rather the old way where, you know, it's drawn out a ball and you could get Bayern Munich or you could get, and then you have the two legs to look forward to. I do agree with Dean as well. I think, like, the players already haven't got a balanced period because we had no pre-season. And if it's only going to spiral on, spiral on, four extra games, more travel, more expense, um, games on Sunday. And then if it is four extra games, does that mean it's like you play less of a gap between an next group game is it like it cuts that down as well I don't know it's just he came across as saying that he, he couldn't understand what the big deal was that teams just had to organise an extra four fixtures and I was there going and especially especially as Dean said as well with the league cup and all what are you going to do just not sure yeah. like you have to put that's a midweek fixture as well the the <laughs> one the one thing I was shocked Nando was that uh, none of the teams out there none of the none of the bigger teams out there at the moment if you like not not any of them that were represented at the meeting um, um, went against the proposal, which I was kind of shocked as well, especially in the current climate. Yeah, it kind of would because you, you would think that they'd be worried about the amount of injuries with with this going with, with this COVID and no fans in the stadium, with revenue constantly being lost, with those extra four matches is all that is, but is all that is, they're going to be under some pressure. Because of the injuries, if if they haven't got that big squad, then they're going to struggle. They, every, nearly every team is going to struggle badly in the new format. It's yeah. going to be disaster. It really is because we like like I was saying, you, you need the players, you need you need the top players. All of, top team, top teams all want the top players. If you haven't got the revenue to go for for those players to sort out this new format. To make sure that you you win the Champions League, which is what you want to do. What what happens? Someone someone said it, careers cut short. You could end up with with half of your team, if not like Liverpool, the majority of your team injured. I suppose Con as well when you look at it because you're going to have such a strong set of fixtures through this league table you're not going to have that opportunity that you would normally have in like a Champions League group stage where like you've got two really good teams in each group the way the seeding works and then you've got two sort of you know lesser teams let's say for you know to throw success there obviously they're there by you know they're there by their, their ability and stuff like that. But just in terms of like, you know, when you play that group stage, you know, it's normally down to your home and away fixtures with the two top teams. And then you can normally like adjust your squad a little bit when you're playing away or playing at home to the likes of those smaller teams. Or yeah. you could be already qualified. So it's not that part. You've already won the group. So you could have two clean games to spare where you can just blood the youngsters or do whatever <laughs> you need to do. You're not going to get that opportunity in this new format. You're not, no. And. Uh, like it's a format that just it like I mean it just really has a, it really benefits the rich and successful clubs and it is almost almost impossible for the likes of a of a, an, another Leicester like I, I like I'm a traditionalist obviously the money has to be made 
in in the game but like it is just it is really disgusting now for me at this stage of the races i like i i love everton i i love the history of my club i love the past um but a lot of what's going on now is fucking disgusting because it is just it is just all money it is all greed it is all it is a monopoly you see the teams that will that 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 benefits and they're 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 opening it up now to like there, there was talk of top six and that that'll qualify now as well, so that means that if 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 Liverpool have a bad season, if Man United have a bad season, and they finish fifth or sixth, they're not penalised, and that means the likes of we'll say on that season we'll say if 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 a Man United and a Liverpool didn't get through, and an Everton and a Spurs got through in their stead. That there's no advantage to those teams in the money that they're going to make by performing in the, in that competition compared to the money that Liverpool would lose, and that it's very imbalanced. It's it's you've the same teams winning the whole time. It's like it's like the leagues now. I mean, you the Premier League is fantastic because anybody can win it, but like the Bundesliga is so goddamn boring, guys. I mean, there's some there's one or two good teams in it, but it is a boring competition. The Spanish La Liga is pretty boring. The fake the Dutch league is pretty boring. The Belgium league, the the French league is crap. The Italian league isn't too bad. But like what do we want? We like it's just like I just it really irritates me. Like sometimes I'm like fuck football. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna watch football anymore. It's it's just it's 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 bullshit. Like it's what is it a business? Um. So like I I it really irks me when I see things like that done. Like like what um I think it was Craig said there. It's such a beautiful thing. Throwing it into a, take it out. We're playing Bayern Munich home and away. We might win. We might lose. The next game we might be up against fucking AC Milan, and it's the fans want that. The fans want that as well. The fans don't want an extra four games a season. The fans don't even want an extra 10. They don't want group stages that are have 10 games. They don't. The excitement has gone. There's no excitement in the Champions League until now, until last 16. Up to that, it's just a pain in the hole, you know? Anyway, sorry. What happens to the team who gets torn in the usual situation in the Europa spot? What happens in that situation? Is that just done away with all together, completely scrapped? I presume they'd have a way of they they have a mechanism for filtering it down, but it's it's like when you see the way the Champions League has evolved with UEFA, they you know they kind of know already who they want in the quarters and the semis and the final. You know they haven't. There's there's an agenda there. You know, like it's only once in a blue moon that you know like a Monaco comes up or a you know a PSV or a you know a you know, a Dortmund or something like that. You know, rarely happens. Then their assets are stripped. Yeah, but you the following know, following season. Yeah, you 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 know well. Like I mean, like most of us here could nearly predict, by and large, you know what the final eight teams are going to be in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, give or take one or two teams, maybe. You know, and they also know that as well. <laughs> why don't they? Why don't they do what they what they done before when it was the European Cup, where it was the sixteen best teams on the planet. I just throw them all in. Why don't if they're gonna add more teams into it? Why don't they give it that bit of like the FA Cup, the magic of the draw? Just throw every single team instead of having the group stages. Just just Not play fair. as everyone just into the hat. And yeah. you could have Liverpool. You could have Liverpool versus Man United in the first round of the Champions League. Like. 
I suppose yeah. I suppose the risk is that you go with the first round draw and Barcelona, let's say you can't draw your own country, let's say Barcelona draw PSV, Liverpool draw yeah. Bayern Munich, and all of a sudden eight or ten of your top draw teams in terms of your broadcast and revenue rights are gone out of the competition in the first round. And the next thing yeah. you get yeah. to a stage where you're looking at the semi-finals and it's PSV versus AEK Athens or something like that, and like the broadcast and revenue rights ain't worth diddly squat. You know what I mean? So that's what yeah. they that's what they fear. The fear is that like that's what they're relinquishing. That's why they set up the whole thing and they brought in this whole seeded thing. So teams can avoid each other until the broadcast of money is rolling in. It's like a security blanket, isn't it? It's like an yeah. insurance. Does, does anybody know does anybody know how long this has been in the pipeline to change this? Has it been one year, two years, three years? They've been the past three or four years or something like that. No, they've been talking they, about this. They this this is their reaction to the you know the proposed breakaway super. Sorry, yeah, that that's why. So yeah, what yeah. they've done is they've launched this to counteract the the Super League thing because what they're saying is the, for the bigger clubs out there they're going to get a lot more broadcast and revenue, which in this current climate is really really important because it's really their only revenue stream apart from merchandise. They've lost out on match day and all that stuff. So this is for for the te- for the teams. For the clubs, I should say, in terms of money terms, it looks better for them. In terms of the players and the managers and the squads, it's not a great decision. And it does stink of a money grab. But it's um, it'll be interesting how it pans out. It's not coming until 2024 either, so it'll be interesting. I'm sure there'll be a few tweaks and changes on the way as well. Um, it'll, be interesting. it'll be interesting to see as well regarding financial fair play. If this is going to be coming into the play, you're going to have the likes of Juventus, Real Madrid, uh, Man City. Who's to say Liverpool might have uh, this one of these sheiks owning the club and have more money than sense. And you'll go out and you'll buy the 25 best players that you can get. And like your, your second team are, are better, as good as your first team. Your third team are as good as your first team. And then you have the lesser teams that are coming in and just won't have a chance. So you, you you might see that being you might see that being eased, you know, a couple of oh well look, team, we're gonna struggle trying to play those extra few games. You've got to give us a bit of leeway where we can bring in the extra three or four players. You know what I mean? financial fair play at this stage is well dead and buried looking at what yeah. went on with City yeah. and what goes on with PSG and Barca and all these other clubs. None of Just, these none of these teams are being punished in any way for financial fair play. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but I mean you, you know, you're going what are you doing? You're going out and you're finding City three million. And they're looking, going, yeah, hang on, we'll just give you the proceeds off last match day of scarfs. You know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. you know what I mean? It's embarrassing, really. You know what I mean? And then they go and appeal it, and they win the appeal, and they don't even have to pay it. You know what I mean? So it's listen, this financial fair play. It, it's it's a cloud to give smaller teams hope and to show that the game is being played in the essence of fair play. But it's not being played in the essence of fair play if AK Athens are playing PSV and PSV are sorry PSG and PSG's front line is worth a billion and AK Athens whole squad is worth about 4.5 million you know what I mean so it's not being played in the spirit of fair play so like they got there the same way by winning the league title less genetically financial fair play will be a topic that will be discussed on this show in the future no doubt about it so then let's let's talk about um, yeah go ahead sorry just on that does this work in a post-covid world though like you're traveling, you're talking like ten different way. Exactly, knows. ten different away games. Like, as is that gonna the COVID's not gonna go away next year, the year after. So, yeah. how does this work going forward when you can't even travel to that country now? 
Yeah, but I think next season fans will be back in the ground, stuff like that. With the rollout of the vaccines across Europe and stuff like that, surely to God, things are going to come back to some sort of new mar- uh, normality, you know what I mean? Because, like, I mean, what are you going to do? Say that you can't go to games, you can't travel into countries when everyone's vaccinated. So what's the point in taking the vaccine, though? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, you, you would assume from, you know, around August, September, that, like, a fair percentage of Europe will be vaccinated. Although, you know, in terms of Ireland, I wouldn't hold any truth to that. They're, they're so slow. You know what I mean? But in terms of football, I would say next season, you know, there should be fans back in grounds. You should be able to travel to most of the countries involved in football and stuff like that. So I'd be surprised if it wasn't. But um, moving on to Brentford, Brentford's players had a meeting there during the week and they decided that for the, I think it was the Swansea game yesterday, they decided they were going to abandon taking the knee in support of Black Lives Matter and that they felt that the taking of the knee had lost its impact and they wanted to channel their resources elsewhere in support of Black Lives Matter. Um, Con, what was your thinking on that? Um, I think that's, I suppose it's a collective decision by a group of adults who have free will and it's their choice if they want to do it I don't know I don't I, I, I definitely think it's certainly in the zeitgeist at the moment and I, I think it would cause it ca- it's, it'll probably cause more ripples in the water than smoothing it out um, is particularly if their reason for doing it is they think that it's lost its impact and that they're going to um, bring resources elsewhere to, to help the cause I think, uh, why don't you just do that anyway? All you're fucking doing is kneeling down, like, do you know what I mean? In support of people who, you know, are need your help. Like, that's literally all you're doing. So, yeah, just, th- just thinking as I talk, I think it's a load of bollocks. Fuck them. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting one for me in terms of, because I look at it and I go, I'd rather see clubs and I'd rather see players you know, demonstrating their support for Black Lives Matter out in the community where it counts and, you know, trying to drive change through those areas than essentially taking the knee because, I, you know, there's kind of at times you look at it and you go, you know, is it really bearing the fruit that it should? Or, you know, if these players spent their time out in the community, traveling around the schools, you know, targeting the younger generation and stuff like that and saying, you know, hammering home the Black Lives Matter message at that early stage. So we grow up in an environment where this is no longer an issue. You know what I mean? Nile, to be, to be fair, like where, like how, if you're taking the knee on television that has been beamed into millions and millions of people's homes and young kids go, why are that team kneeling down with their hands up? And and uh, if my kids say to me, I'll say, well, do you know why they're doing that now? They're doing that in support of black people who have been subjected to vile racism and or whatever, whatever way I want to explain that to my small kids. Yeah. But like it is being beamed into television. There isn't like, all, all and also it takes what's it take to kneel down it takes 10 seconds 20 seconds it's it's literally it is literally nothing and i would also agree with you go out and get into the community anyway you know they're being uh, like again it's been brought up tonight they're being they're, these are multi-millionaire players you know yeah. um maybe part of their contract should be that they should have to do you know two or three weeks two or three hours community service um you know, a, a week. I I can't see anyone not wanting to do that. 
But um, yeah, I think it's. I think uh, they should continue to kneel anyway. See, I, I, I think in the age of social media, I think what well, you know, if they put more focus in terms of, you know, giving us a greater insight into the inner workings of a club and what they do, like you know, the way at Christmas time, a lot of clubs post videos where they go around to all the hospitals and they do yeah. all that charity, great work and all. I mean, they're doing brilliant work all year long. Mm. Yet, yet it's it's only in these festive times or holiday times we get to see that little insight into it. But you know, if if they broadcasted more of that, you know, I I wonder would the the younger generation who who they're trying to influence a lot really in terms of this would that potentially have a greater impact than you know because you see the knee being taken every week, every game, and it's kind of like. You know, does it hold that real sort of thing? Or if you sat down and you, you know, you sat down and your kids on social media were able to go and see, well, there's Jordan Henderson or Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, and they're going into this school and they're meeting with these classes and they're they're driving that, you know, that Black Lives Matter message home and stuff like that. And all the clubs were doing that. So, like, you know, all your fan base, because remember, if all the clubs are at it, we all follow all our individual clubs. You know, that message spreads far wider, I think, than people looking at that and going. Okay, here's guys taking the knee. It is a symbol for the movement, but does it have yeah, the but, impact that it should? But like, okay, that's that's, and I I think that's a good point to a certain extent. But if Jordan Henderson and Sadio Mane go to Hoxeth into the primary school there, and you know, give a great demonstration on why Black Lives Matter or you know anti-racism or whatever, how is that going to how is that going to help? Anybody who's in national school in Leitrim in Ireland, you know, um, yeah, well, that's I, why. Yeah, well, I presume you'd have, to, you'd have to look at it as well, even from like, you know, this is a totality thing. So you'd have to look at it from international football. You'd have to look at it from League of Ireland. You'd have to look at it from everything. I mean, like, I'm, I'm not saying don't continue oh, with taking the knee. I think it's really, really important and is a symbol for the movement. But I, I just wonder if the symbol of that movement bears fruit when it goes out into, you know, the real aspects of the, of the, of the matter, if you like. Yeah. But you've also got to remember, like you've got black players coming out and saying, look, we're not wasting our time with this anymore. Like, Zaha is kind of pissed off about too. Les Ferdinand, he's like, why do black players need to take a knee to signify that? Like, oh, support those black people. Like, I'm completely with the idea. I, I completely support the idea. But I, I just think it's, it's it, it doesn't need to be every single week. The, at the start, it was like a big, massive impact. It was a, it was a, like across the horizon in all sports. Like the, the black, like the black players coming out is it's really that that that's what brought it home to me. Like they're coming out and saying like we don't need to do this every week. There is better things we can do than taking a knee. Like I completely agree with Cornelius saying as well, like it takes 10 fucking seconds to kneel down and stand back up. You've got lads with the, with the salute and all, but surely there's big, there's, there's something better, something like better than taking the knee that they can do. There's a bigger picture to all this going to the schools, going into like the majority black community, stuff like that, you know, like, it, I just think it's I just think it's wearing off now. Like Les Ferdinand was the first person to come out and say he was like, Why why do black people need to take a knee looking for support? Like we know we're black. We're proud of being black. Fuck you if you're gonna be racist about it. Like I, I just think they, they there should be some they've they've had what now this is since the start of the season, what, seven months? Surely there's something now that they can re- say, right, well we're moving on to this now. Do you know what I mean? 
Well, I suppose it's like, didn't. it's like every movement, isn't it? Like, you know, sometimes it needs to evolve in order to continue its impact and be successful. Yeah. So maybe yeah. maybe they could look at doing something different at the start of a match in, instead of taking the knee that would still symbolise um, the Black Lives Matter movement and get the symbol home. Mark, what do you think? Um, yeah, like, obviously, it's not a decision they've taken lightly. Um, obviously, because they're black players and a big black fan base where they are in London and stuff just outside of London but like at the end of the day taking the knee is brilliant and all but more action has to be done off the pitch for the fans I know we're going to talk about it like the SA and stuff like that social media is a big part of it as well we need to start seeing arrests like Anthony Lee Martial I know we had a bad game yesterday and we've talked about it here you know you can say but to bring that racial thing into it is an absolute disgrace and the more it, like the SA are only getting involved because the whole obviously the whole movement and stuff like it's like over here the SE boy they send out videos when um of how parents should be on the sidelines and stuff like that. It's just like they're taking a the box. Do you know what I mean? They're just they're taking the box for them and saying, Right, no, that's done with now. Um, you know, to me I need to you need to see more action off the pitch, people being arrested and people being put behind bars for what's going on, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think until you have like serious, you know, like, I mean, one of the things that I noted this week was the FA wrote a letter directly to the social media companies asking them to figure out how to take some action based on this. Um, but un- un- until there is serious penalties for that type of thing and action is taken every single time when it happens and the social media companies get heavily involved in this and go, we're not going to tolerate this either. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to put in safeguards against this. You know, no different than like, you know, safeguards you'd put in for children on the internet and stuff like that, parental controls and stuff like that, you know, but at a different kind of level and try and monitor that. But um, it was interesting that the FA wrote directly to the social media companies, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it was, and and said, this is unacceptable anymore. And what role are you guys going to play in it? And no, you're right, but why it's 2021, we're in February 2021. Why are the FA only writing to these social media outlets now? This should have been done years ago. Remember how long is Kick It Out going? How, I know Black Lives Matter is a new movement. Kick It Out was here in the in early 2000, mid 2000. Like, I know social media is getting bigger and bigger, but it's 2021. Why are they only doing this now? Yeah, they, they, there's no, they don't like. It, let's be real like racism is never going to go away the, the, the people at the higher etchings like they're sitting down like right, what can we do next the FA and all blah blah they're doing what they can to stay relevant in the matter you know what I mean like oh, let's write to the social media and then plaster that all over everything that the FA have been involved again blah 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 like let, let's be real it's 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 a justice system as well. Like if your man who abused Dean Roy, I had an argument. Well, not an argument with my father, but when I said it, I was like, "Oh, your man got away with that." He was like, oh, he's only a kid. He made a mistake. You know, you don't want to tarnish the rest of his life with a criminal record." The whole idea of 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 this is, you get racially abused, you get fucking locked up, you get your criminal record. You can't be like, oh, "He's only he's only nineteen. He's 20. When I was 19 or 20, I was out working a full-time fucking job because I had to hand me, ma- me, me parents money at the end of the week. So this little prick who's going on like, oh, you're a monkey this and you're a monkey that and you're black bastard this and you're black bastard. Sorry for the language. No, fuck him. He doesn't deserve to walk into a court and like Ian writes to look at that and uh, basically we, did, we didn't want to give him a criminal record. He's his whole life ahead of him. Ian Roy worked his bollocks off. He was in prison. You know what I mean? He like The, the likes of Ian Roy... Viv Anderson, those boys back then, like we think racism is bad now in football. Back then was fucking horrific. 
was horrific. So for him to see now, as as Mark said, it's twenty twenty one. Like, what are they doing about this? The justice system needs to be a lot stricter on these guys as well, and say, you know what? Yeah, you're only you're you're nineteen, you're twenty, but look, you have a criminal record now. You're going to prison for thirty days. You won't do it again. Yeah, I think it's as well with social media as well. When when you when you think about the racism around football, it's really moved from the terraces to social media because people think people out there think it's anonymous. So I think until we get to a stage with social media that it's it's very plain, it's not anonymous. You can find out who it is, you can track it down, you can use that in court, you can really hit a home that this is unacceptable anymore. And you know. When you do this to 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 people, those other people will get the message eventually and then it will stop. What, the about, what about with social media, though? If you're setting up a profile, you have to, uh, like with Revolu, you can take a picture of a passport, send up social media uh, profiles. There's your passport. So none of this, what's your, what's your username? DJ4785 with a blank picture. Who's that guy? No idea. Go to his account details. Okay, There's his passport. Please go to his house. Yeah. You know? Well, it's going to be really, it's going to be really interesting to see what the social media company's response is to the FA yeah. in terms of what they're going to come back with. Getting yeah. more moderators to cover, you know, a post where you can't just post something. It has to be, you know, accepted. I'd say it has to be a thing where if you do, you know, if if you're the kind of Reviewed. horrible yeah. person that's inclined to post that stuff, that like as Dan says, your name is going to be on it. It's going to be fully trackable and traceable. There's going to be no question in a court of law. They're going to hand out the maximum punishment and these guys will eventually get the message um, but it has to be followed through on and like you know you know it has to be policed you know and that involves the FA it involves you know the, the authorities it involves the social media companies they all have to get together to put this together and they all have to be singing off the one hymn sheet otherwise if one of it falls down well then you know it's it's very hard to implement it you know and that that's why I mean getting on to you know I mean, we, we can move on now to sort of have a look at the Premier Leagues. No room to racism. This is their action plan that they've come out with. Um, I had to look down through the main points of it. So, you know, increased diversity in leadership positions, um, which which I, I find I'm trying to figure out how as an action plan, that first line there, how you would implement that, because I would assume and this is a big assumption on my behalf, that when people are hiring people for positions, they hire the best peop- the best person associated for that job with the best credentials and never, ever could get concerned about, you know, skin colour or ethnic race or anything like that. I mean, I, I, I find that baffling in 2021, you know, that anyone in any position would not hire a person you know, based on the colour of their skin, if they're the right person for the job and the most qualified person for the job. But, I mean, clearly the FA is concerned and they believe this goes on. Um, Graham, what's your thinking on that? Yeah, it's, um, it's a funny one at the minute. It's um, it's like, like okay, players are taking the knee, you know, saluting and all that. But they're saying, yeah, I've been taking the knee for months and... I have won a bad game and I'm getting abused all over Twitter. So what's what's that all about? You know, they want something done. You know, they're not they're not they're not gonna play out with their skin every week to make sure they have a good game every week because I was getting battered on Twitter there last week. I, I'm gonna make sure I have a good game so I don't get any abuse this week. Then it just cut it out altogether. You know, yeah. it, you know, it's 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 um 
it's the same. When I, I'm, I, I have a, a couple of groups I follow on, on Facebook and like they all have admins. You know, you want to post something, you know, it goes to the admin to be accepted on us. So I think all Twitter and all these Instagrams, they need an, uh, an administrator. Like if you want to post something, it needs to get their approval. Yeah, I and think... The, the, pro- the problem the problem with that, Graham, is, I mean, you can have, you know, millions of posts being posted every day and how the hell yeah. are you supposed to admin that? Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, they're also talking about increasing representation of coaches across these groups as well. Um, and again, very similar to the leadership positions. You know what I mean? I, I fundamentally, I find it hard that a club, you know, would go out there looking for a coach for a position. And for that job not to be offered to a person based on the colour of his skin, if he is qualified and suitable for the position, it just staggers me. Like some of these things, and my my fear with these things is when someone puts out an action plan, for me, for that action plan to be successful, it has to be able to be implemented and it has to be able to be measured in order to see the success of it. And I'm failing to see how you how you measure this. How do you, how do you like like a club's all going to be reporting back to the FA now that like we put this position up, we interviewed these five guys, this guy or this girl got this position based on this, 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 and this. And like, are they going to report all that back? Is this the way it's going to go? You know, I just, I just don't see it. Um, It's almost kind of forcing a team to hire someone of a certain uh, skin color or a certain sex. It's almost forcing that. Like, they they might not be good enough for the job, but do you feel like they have to be to be diverse in the current situation of what's going on? Yeah. Then the other point they brought up, um, Dean, you might want to look at this one. Every player has the opportunity to achieve their potential inside and outside of football. Um, now that that sounds great, and um, I gotta go, guys. No bother. I can't see you soon. There you go. Talk to you Thanks, soon. man. Bye. But, um, yeah, the, like, I mean, again, you know, we know with football, I mean, at grassroots level of football, there's protocols there at clubs to say that, you know, you know, all these players get equal time on the pitch. They all get included, all these kind of things. There's guidelines there for all that sort of thing. But I think when you kind of get up to that FA's level and you start moving into, you know, underage and, you know, semi-professional, all that kind of thing. You know, in these places, the cream then rises to the top. The, the the cream rises to the top, and then eventually, like players fall off, and players excel and move on to be professional and get signed and professional contracts and stuff like that. Again, I think at grassroots level, I think from from dealing with my own club, all clubs have a protocol there. Market know this from the FAO as well. That says that you know all players are supposed to at underage level supposed to get X amount of minutes. They're supposed to be fair play. You know, all kids are supposed to be included equally. All this kind of thing you know what I mean and we implement that as coaches as much as we can at local level um, but when you move up into the you know when you move up into the professional game or the semi-professional game that that's a that's a cutthroat world really when it comes to players yeah um, she had your man uh, what's his name the place for Liverpool uh, young lads he was talking about when him and Dan Cleary were in training and they knew that Liverpool were down a couple of short uh, centre-backs and they were looking at it's going to be me or you going in so your man was like really I'm going to go and do this cunt you know yeah he admitted that as well didn't he he admitted that he put his yeah team. and look where look where his career is now Tom Brewer I think Tom Brewer I remember that yeah you know Jesus. like what Noel said is spot on like it's a doggy dog world and if you haven't got bigger teeth than me like I'm taking your place simple as that 
Yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. And so, I mean, I mean, is football not basically the most competitive sport in the world when you think about it? You know, with the money that's in it, with the money that's in it now, like like other than the NFL and the NBA and the NBA and the the baseball league and stuff like that, with the money that's in it now, a lot of these guys haven't got a brain cell to their name. So, like, if you're only good at football, you're gonna do everything to make ends meet. You know what I mean? Yeah, Mark. Mark, here's a good one for you. you. You touched on it earlier. Support clubs in setting a framework and clear targets to embed equality, diversity, and inclusion across their organisation. That that would be another one there that I would suggest. How is that already not in place in every single club? Yeah, um, yeah it should it should be. Um, like you're know, trying to teach them from grassroots level everything about the game. And including that, like it was interesting when you were talking there, I was thinking about a documentary I watched there a few years ago on BBC Three. Uh, Zach Knight was on it and they asked him, when you retire, do you want to become a manager? And he said, no. He says, look around how many black managers are, are there in the game. And I think at the time there was only Chris Uton really that was, I think he might have been managing Newcastle or something at the time. There's not enough like managers out there. You've had the likes of Paul Insat come in and out of the game as well, but... Like this, this has to be drilled in. Like I said, at grassroots level, and um, there is a certain person out there, Dane Tulshana earlier from the eighties, nineties, that just in you know you, you can't change people like that as much as you want it, but you can definitely teach you from from grassroots level, and that's what they should. Like I said, at twenty twenty one, this should have been done years ago. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll um we'll certainly keep our eye on the um this FA action plan and see how it's implemented and how it um, how it works and how they report back on it. Um be very interesting to see how successful it is. Um so then our last topic really to touch on is Liverpool. Um Thanks, Noel. Yeah, you know, lovely, we, lovely we, way to wrap it up, folks. No, but I mean, we've already, I mean, we've already spoken at length about injuries. We've already spoken at length about the impact COVID has had in the game. We've already spoke about no fans in the stadium. I know, Dean, you touched on it last week, the impact it was having. But I mean, realistically. I mean, there's a time that those Liverpool players ponied up and stood up and were accountable for themselves on the pitch now and, you know, really put their best foot forward instead of hiding behind this curtain veil of, you know, expectations of the fans, which is, I mean, the expectation of Liverpool fans has always been huge. This is not a new thing, you know, even when we weren't that good and we weren't successful, we still had a huge fan expectation, right or wrong. Um, Dean, what's your thinking on that in terms of, I mean, is the time Liverpool, you know, got off the horse and got going again, or what's the story? Yeah, I, I tell we the very fourth podcast they came on, I think it was before or after the City game, and I was saying to you like, we you can write down, you can list the injuries, you can talk about one-off bad performances. It, it isn't a blip anymore, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, people are asking questions like, is there problems in house? Does Klopp want to go? Like stuff like that, like the Salah looks like he doesn't want to be there at all. Like I said to Cornelius about the whole Henderson and Fabinho playing centre half, like it's all well and good short term, but when you're coming up to like City, we said the other night, if City went the rest of the season unbeaten and won the Champions League, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think Barcelona are on a downward slope. I don't think Madrid have that appeal anymore. Like, um, I'm watching Bayern Munich are losing 3 2 here, you know, but they're out there only come back from Japan. Like, I do think the, the if City went the rest of the season, like, unbeaten and won the Champions League, I wouldn't be surprised. But with, with Liverpool and how things are going, I, 
I just think the players need to suck it up now. Um, I don't want to. We were you were saying the other night. I'm sick of fans saying the performance was embarrassing and they're not real fans. And you look at what the team has given us in the last two to three years. But like, I do think as much as this hurts. Like, if if Klopp was to leave tomorrow, I'd be absolutely devastated. He's been the best thing in since I started sporting Liverpool. He's the best thing that has ever happened to the club. Um, I do think part of the problem is FSG and the whole running a business thing. Um, I was watching as soon as that game was finished I, I went straight on to the old hashtag FSGL and the hashtag uh, LFC Twitter and all you get a lot of fans like who are baseball fans who are Red Sox fans coming on and saying look Liverpool fans this is the way things are going to go these guys they've won a Champions League they've won a league it's all about profit now they're not we're not going to have a squad like City with owners like FSG I'm not not being fickle and saying oh FSG need to go I want someone who who, who won't City to come in and buy us but let's be real right let you're a Liverpool fan Noel Craig you're a Liverpool fan Dean you're a Liverpool fan if we got owners like City right would you rather we we had a squad like City and could challenge for the league every year and and like like they're doing now, probably gonna steamroll everyone and go and win the league, or would you rather have the whole business model and have a squad like we do now and things like what's happening now happen and we'd probably win a league once every five or six years? Which would you rather? Business model. Well, I'll well, answer it for you. You'd rather have a squad like City's and win the league every year and have fans of rival teams saying. <laughs> Oh, but you bought the league. I'd fucking love to be in City's position where you have like you've you've lads on the bench who who are like you hear all this about uh, Liverpool. He doesn't want to ruin the harmony in the team. Did Ferguson? Uh, did he ruin the harmony in the team? You have to be ruthless in this game. So it's either Klopp's not being ruthless or FSG won't back Klopp to the fullest. I suppose when you're looking at it, Craig, you might want to take this one up. I mean, it was, you know, we were on the brink of disaster when FSG came in and more or less saved us, if you like, you know what I mean? I I think from my point of view as a fan, and Craig might touch on it as well, I like the success of my club to mean something. I don't want to be, you know... I don't want to necessarily be that club that goes out and boys Neymar, boys Mbappe, boys Lewandowski, boys Alaba, boys all these players and steamrolls the league five, six, ten years on the trot. I don't think that I don't think that reaps the meaning in the heart of a fan the same. You know what I mean? Like like Man City fans don't celebrate their success the same way United and Liverpool fans do, where it means something to them in terms of history, in terms of heart. You know, we've had to wait a long time to have success again, so obviously that plays into it from a nostalgia point of view. Craig, what's your thinking on it? Yeah, I do agree. I think your success is very genuine as well. You know, when we when we, we thrive on successes and like you know, we wait a long time for it, but we're not like impatient and we're not like you know, like the shutters are in front of our eyes. You know, we do wait it out and we're loyal. So when we get to success, like we've had we've been as I said it before, we've been like the last three years, we've been absolutely spoiled. But we've got there through hard work and through merit. It hasn't been handed to us. You know, Klopp's put a system in place and the lads have played and gone above and beyond with it. It hasn't just happened overnight. Like, you know, it's been... When Rafa just missed out on the title, fucking hell, Brendan just missed out. You were thinking, especially for me, like, what the fuck is it going to take? Like, Jürgen so close right behind City with the points tally. Then we won it. 
Then we won Champions League, then we won the Club World Cup. Could have had two Champions yeah. Leagues, but it's been all genuine and it's been real and it's it's been great. Regarding Jorgen, I think taking the football away for a minute, no one can understand probably when you look at the whole week and the reflection of his mother passing, couldn't go to the funeral. Not using that as in it's the, uh, to do with the football, but you take the, everything into consideration. You probably weren't taking that into consideration before. When you can't even go to your mother's uh, funeral, when you're going to face the media, you're still going to games, the media are on your back before the game, the media are on your back after the game. I would like him to take a step away from the media for a little while and let his assistant Pep take over for a bit, just to give him a bit of breathing space and just to get yeah. him maybe a bit more relaxed. I think it'd be good for himself. <laughs> the, um, only, the only thing I'd be concerned about that is we all know how vile the English media can be. Vultures. And you know what I mean? If he does do that, you know, they're just going to run story after story yeah. after story because they think they have him and are ruthless. And that's never, that's the real problem with it. You know? before, but you see how frustrated yeah. he was getting in recent weeks with the media. Never was, looked like that. You know? I suppose, Dane... Malone, as a as a business, your minimum expectation is that you run your you run your company well and you make a profit, um, and you have to be seen to do that. Um, so FSG, they're not drenched in money the way like the the oil barons of Man City are. You know what I mean? They can't just toss money away. They do have to report back. They do have accounts. Um, and we've seen some of the um, intrusions into, let's say, Man City's financial affairs have been interesting to say the least. Um, what do you think from a Liverpool point of view? Look, I think in business, at the end of the day, eventually you do have to put your money in your pocket. And that's the truth of it. Obviously, I don't agree with the way City have done it over the past few years. They went down and just bought the whole market up. And that's what they've done. They've literally round football, if you look at it. And you understand Dan's argument on saying that you want to, you want to win Premier League trophies. But at Liverpool, it's been gradual. Year after year after year, we've just gotten better and better and better. And maybe this year we, they do have to put them, their hand in the pocket and say, right, we need players. When you That's, look at that... F- no, go on, right. finish there, Dean. You finish, one. Uh, when you look at that front three, Mane, Firmino, Salah, Salah's been the only one that's been consistent this season. Mane has his games. Firmino's just gone, dirt. And I don't know where Dean's agreement on that, but he's been toxic. Jota came in was phenomenal in the team. That was a great signing for us. But I think this summer has, they have to put their hands in the pocket and say, right, we need players. That's basically all I was saying. Like when I was talking about the whole, like you want FSG to spend the money. I don't want. I don't want Neymar. I don't want Mbappe. They're they're dream signings that only the likes of PSG or Real Madrid could buy. All I'm saying is like we we you've Origi no sell on value. Oxlade Chamberlain's probably not going to have any sell on value. I think by the time Shakiri leaves, it might be on a free. Um, Matip when Alden sadly could be a fucking free. Yeah, yeah he's you know gone, I mean? isn't he? Matip, Matip is injury prone. So what are you gonna sell? What are you gonna get trying to sell Matip? I know, like it's all well, you know, if he's injury prone and these things happen in football. Not all I'm saying is when we won the Champions League, right? We we built on that slightly, but when we won the league, I said to you in the summer. Noel, um, oh, I can't wait. Like we're gonna bring in this guy, we're gonna bring in that guy. Like all I wanted was to build on that. You so know, bring, in, have done for bring you. in three, bring <laughs> in three or four, three or four class players, um, who are going to push the team on. We brought we brought Jota in, 
and the difference he made off the bat because it wasn't that he was giving other players that fear of look this fella is working his nuts off and training well, he could be forced out he was put into the team and he was forcing players out because it wasn't a case of look this guy's just coming in and like Mo might be having a bad a couple of bad games and Jota's going to come in like he came in and he worked his bollocks off regarding Firmino Dean he's my favourite player I, I, I'll never I'm never gonna go. I never. I won't get on any. Well, unless I basically someone who's just given up on the short. I won't get on their case. If someone's really, really bad, like like Origi, like, I'm not gonna like sit here and like say oh, fuck him, fuck this. Uh, he doesn't deserve to be at Liverpool. I think he's he's kind of stealing a living. But for me, now he's been the like the workhorse in that team, like the absolute war- engine up front for the last three years. Um, and I think it's just been magnified now because we're not doing so great in the league um, that like who can we point the finger at well Salah is still scoring Mane has a few goals so let's blame Firmino same in the middle of the park you know what I mean like you, you always have the easy targets in the team and I've had this out with Liverpool fans all the time when we perform bad people look for certain players to point out but they'll never turn around and say hold on Van Dijk was fucking shy Hold on, Salah didn't try whatsoever. Look at Henderson, he had a bad game. It's always the go-to guys. Fans need to put their hands up and say, you know, the players that we expected to do, to like to step up when we needed them, haven't stepped up when we needed them. That's the truth. That is yeah. They're playing for Liverpool at the end of the day. And, oh, sorry, you have to ask you to play this week from the start. Is that all right? And I look like, what? It's the truth. You're getting a free fucking wage at our club. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, Mark, what you're thinking? I mean, you obviously follow United yourself and Anthony, and they're obviously heavily financed through debt as well with the the Glaziers. Um, so you're not in it. You're not in a dissimilar position in terms of you have owners who have to run a business as a business, but they've gone kind of a different route where they, you know, they they finance it through debt and they put you in a lot of debt. But in terms of you know, there's a lot of talk about United and their owners as well. And, you know, again, it's easy to point fingers at owners as well and stuff like that. But, I mean, between FSG and between the Glazers, they have gone out. They have spent money. There's no doubt about it. But yeah. what, what's your thinking? They're, yeah, they're spending money and then they're spending money on, on the right players to come in and, and play in a certain system and stuff like that. Um you know, just going back to what Dean said, something earlier on I just wanted to touch on was, remember you were saying about Henderson and I think it was Alisson or something in-house fighting and all. Yeah. I'd, like, I'd like to see that. It's passion. It's showing passion. It's show, I'd love to see some Harry Maguire grab someone with a scrub of neck and have a go at him. Do you know what I mean? Um, to yeah. me, looking at you, obviously you are unlucky with injuries, but there's a slight case of, you know, some teams are sussing out systems that you're playing, like Burnley and the West Broms, like these kind of so-called smaller teams are sussing out how to play against you and they know where the hitch is now, especially with the injuries. But um, to me, it's only a blip. You, you will get back. But going back to what you said, Noel, yeah, like the, the money the Glaciers have, have spent, like, and what they're doing is, like, you know, we spent 75, 80 million on Harry Maguire and I know keep going back to him, but that, you know, how many young Santa has when you have bought for that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 just a real it's 
it, it, it is a real conundrum when you're trying to balance, you know, the level of success that you desire versus, you know, keeping the business on the proper financial footing. You know what I mean? It's, you know, what do you do? Would you go out and you spend a quarter of a billion on two players and the next thing is just disaster or something like that, you know? So you have to really, it's a real balance. I mean, the one thing I'd say about Liverpool with Mike Edwards, he's doing an outstanding job. Robin people. I mean, that is. guy is unbelievable. <laughs> and, and in fairness, we have said as well, like the January window, even though we got hammered with these injuries, it's really not the time to be going out and buying players because you don't really get that pool of players that you really want. You know what I mean? Like we've brought in Ben Davis and brought in Quebec and I hope both of them are really, really successful. You know what I mean? But you always get the feeling if this had happened at the, at the end of last season and we had had that summer to go in and go for transfers and stuff like that, we probably probably would have went in for a Koulibaly or an Up Meccano or, you know, something like that. You know what I mean? Like we probably wouldn't have looked at Quebec or Ben Davis, you know? No yeah, disrespect yeah, yeah. to them. Yeah. You know, um, Gra- Graham, what's your thinking? I mean, like, I mean, you follow a club that like just won't like, you know, they won't even tip people at a restaurant. No. I mean, that that's um, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, like you're yeah. you're living with this all the time. I mean, Le- Levy just will not spend money. Like he just yeah, and when he when he does spend, it's just a marketing tool. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's the same every year. It's it's like um, Levy will say to whoever whoever the manager is, like, oh, okay, there's the there's not enough money for the transfer this year. You might get 10 million and some managers will turn around and go, okay. But Mourinho was kind of like that manager this year. He was like, give me a transfer budget because we need it. But um, yeah, like I was saying earlier, like I'd, we'd love to be up there with City and United to spend the millions. But um, it's just that our owners, they won't they won't accept um, any anybody from buying the club because we have, we have had previous um, goals in the, in uh, previous years to be taken over but it's just that the owner of the club just doesn't want just, just doesn't want us to sell just well I think I think if I was I think if I was the owner of a solid premiership club at the moment with the way things are going I wouldn't be in a hurry to sell it either because you know it seems to be well the- it- it's the only real functioning business out there at the moment, and if you think about yeah. football, you know. But it, it only it only comes down to um, what age the owner is. Like if he's near it, he wants to get out of football, he wants to sell the club. Maybe then, but maybe he's he's thinking like he has a few years left in him. He's he'll hold on to the club, and then when he's near retirement, say this would be a nice retirement, a few million. You know, why not house? I don't think you know? I don't think Levy's waiting on his retirement out of sports somehow. That guy <laughs> no, still has not, that, not, that guy still has his communion money. Will you stop? No, no. <laughs> Daniel Levy is only the chairman, and we have an owner over Levy. So yeah, but Levy he, he, Levy is the the bank. He man. runs the show, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no doubt about he's, it. He said he he's the one who says, "Oh, you're only getting fifty million this year." And it's, and it's going to be an interesting recipe as well when you have Daniel yeah. Levy telling Jose Mourinho no because <laughs> we know well, what's we happened need, in the past well we need the fans to come back because we have that uh, the partnership with the, with the NFL so we're not getting any games in our new stadium because there's no fans so that's what we're waiting on and it could yeah. be another another year another year and a half till we get fans back so Harry Kane and Son for the touchdown, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's your thinking. Touchdown well, lads, out of here. Well, lads, as always, it's been a great show. 
always interesting topics and always interesting viewpoints. Again, I would say we're out on YouTube there, so subscribe, share, like, all that good stuff. We're also on Anchor if you prefer the audio. Just to mention again, our sponsors for the show, Hogan Elite Trophy Hour for all that beautiful shiny silverware for your event. And also Ella's Toys and Collectibles. Dane will hook you up there with 10% off if you're looking for Funkos or any kind of collectible items just launched this week and he's now a sponsor of the show. Um, so get on to Dane there on Facebook. He'll sort you out with whatever collectibles you're looking for. Lads, till next time. It's been emotional. Over and <laughs> out.